Uh, Phil, that was Chris Chappell, a fascinating guy. We had him on once before, a return guest. Um, he um, teaches at Loyola Mar Marymount, and um, he not only teaches comparative religions, but I believe he also teaches yoga. So that must be somewhat of a unique position. I don't know many schools that have that. Well, the first time we had him on, uh, I think it was not long after the master's degree in yoga studies was initiated. He, he founded the program. And at the time, I don't know if it still is, but it was basically the only, the first uh, master's degree in an accredited university in yoga studies. And it was, you know, quite a thing for uh, for him to be able to, to to do that. Before that, they have a certificate program in yoga studies. They also have a certificate program in yoga therapy. They train yoga therapists. So he's been able to do an awful lot uh, in introducing uh, Hindu theology and yoga philosophy and, and yoga practices into this little Jesuit in, uh, um, university uh, in LA. It's just been a, you know, really terrific. And they have programs that are open to the public. So people in LA uh, get to participate as well. Uh, the Jesuit tradition, which is uh, a, a, a order of priests, I don't think there are Jesuit nuns in the Catholic church uh, generally have been uh, more open to new things than uh, yes. other groups. They are uh, very scholarly <clears throat> and um, not as threatened by the new or different. Yeah. And, and I think if someone goes through his program and they're certified or they get a degree, are they certified to be a yoga teacher? Or is um, it much more than that? I, I don't know that the usual certification that's, you know, uh, mentioned in yoga studios and people teaching mostly asana-based yoga. I don't know if, if, if that would be included. Probably the people who take the program are either already certified yoga teachers or um, are in the process of that if they want to, you know, teach uh, hatha yoga. Uh, but it has to satisfy academic credentials. So you know, it, it, there's very, broad, very broad rigorous based. study of right. texts. And, and also, we've mentioned this several times on the show, but I'll mention it again for listeners who may not be so familiar. Uh, when we hear yoga, especially in the West, we think of yoga asanas, those physical positions. But yoga is uh, much more than that. Uh, it is everything that develops spirituality and wholeness and fullness and a very rich tradition. And we also associated with Hinduism. Uh, and, and But my understanding is yoga postures came along uh, quite late in the game uh, in terms of, and there's some, I think, differences of opinion. Yes, there are. Asanas came into being. Yeah, there are different opinions, but, um, and, and I'm not an expert in the chronology of things. And, and there are different sources of evidence but um, the important thing is that yoga as a, a philosophy of life and uh, the, the repertoire of yogic practices um, 
is far more than postural, what we call now postural yoga. And, and I think it's very important that there are people like Chris and his program and um, many yoga teachers who uh, may, you know, hold up that tradition and reinforce the notion that asana, uh, asana is just a small and relatively minor aspect of the, the fullness of yoga. I do it you know, every time I write something about yoga. I mean, it's just terribly important that people recognize the fullness of it. I mean, there are people, you know, if you read the Yoga Sutras, which is, you know, the, probably the most popular text, uh, classic text in, in yoga circles these days, um, there's only one, maybe two verses, sutras, talking about asana. And it's in the context of proper posture for meditation. Similarly, in, in the Bhagavad Gita, it's a whole treatise on yoga and the different um, paths of yoga and the fullness of yoga philosophy. There's nothing about asana practice in there. Those so if it, if it didn't come much later in time, it was certainly developed later right, right. in time. Well, well, let me ask and, you this. And then the Hatha Yoga tradition has its own texts. And they, you know, they, they, they come together and they mix and match. But um, there's a lot more to it. And as I think most right. of our listeners know. Yeah, in, in your book, American Veda, you talk about Vivekananda coming around 1890s, Yogananda Maharishi. And that in the, the the east coming to the west, uh, when did uh, yoga hatha yoga classes become popular in the states? Uh, and uh, was there a teacher or a few teachers? Yeah, the, it was always there was all it was always known. People, you know, going back to the early part of the 20th century, there were some hatha yoga teachers who would come to the west. They they didn't stay, but they would give demonstrations. They would talk about it. Then a little later on, there were some Americans who had gone to India who came back and taught Hatha Yoga and wrote books and illustrated books in the mid-20th century. Um, and then there were people uh, like Richard Hittleman, who had a PBS program and best-selling books that emphasized asana in the 60s. And then really, I remember, if I remember anyone doing yoga or meditation when I was a kid before college. People did, but you wouldn't have known about it. They were always, you know, look, there were people following Yogananda and Vivekananda meditating in the 20s and 30s and 40s. And Yogananda talked about uh, asana practice. He had in the later issues of his magazine uh, in the his uh, Self-Realization Fellowships magazine in the 40s, there was like an asana of each issue would teach a different asana, but it was always understood to be uh, either, a, you know, something you did for your health and well-being, and in the spiritual context as something that was preparatory to deep meditation. Right, right. And and, but, but I want to finish the, the history of it. We've had people on who talked about Swami Satchidananda. And uh, he and Swami Vishnu Devananda were disciples of Swami Shivananda. And when they came in the 60s, that started uh, more of the emphasis on 
asana practice and the training of uh, American yoga teachers. And it really uh, went through the roof after uh, Iyengar and Patabi Joyce came in the 70s. That developed from there. But we should, uh, uh, let's make sure we post Chris uh, Chappell's uh, website up. Yeah. About his coursework. I'd be curious. I'm going to look at the curriculum to see what areas he does cover. I think it's great. I think it should be, you know, college should incorporate that more and more. And, well, uh, it is. And sometimes, you know, similar, there's overlap when they, you know, a college might, in religious studies, might teach. Uh, Hinduism or yoga philosophy or something like that classes and so there would be overlap but this is a, a full-on master's degree and, and it's very different than getting a degree in uh, comparative religions oh yes yeah. yes definitely and you know my exposure to it is the students are very high caliber I've given a couple of guest talks and uh, they've used American Veda and I've met a number of them um, I think you we're scheduled connect? actually to have one of the early graduates of the program on. <laughs> that's that's that a great show. idea. Yeah, well, I, I, we, 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 we're scheduling her for uh, January, but um, this is January when people are hearing it. But it'll be up soon. But the emphasis on uh, ecology and the importance of uh, yoga philosophy. In, um, and we should emphasize, you know, it's associated with Hinduism, but one of the things that comes out in, in uh, the master's program at LMU and elsewhere is that it's not, you know, India also has Sikhs and Jains and Buddhists and, they, and all those, what we now think of as different religions, all have a yogic element in them, in their past. They've all contributed to it, and they, you know, you, it, even uh, the uh, Sufi, the Muslim Sufi tradition in India has crossover with the, with the yogis. So, you know, that's, uh, we shouldn't just limit it to the dominant uh, religious strain. But the, uh, the, the, the uh, importance of the spiritual uh, perspectives on the ecology and, and environmental crisis is, is uh, to me terribly important, uh, certainly a, a terribly important uh, antidote to some of the uh, um, climate denial and people right. who minimize yeah. it. Actually, for, for me, Phil, it, it's been a dis bit of a disappointment uh, and, and uh, that the, main well, the mainstream religions haven't been more uh, vocal in their uh, condemnation of attacks on the environment, um, uh, uh, people refusing to believe in uh, that there is major change taking yeah. place. Uh, now people may listen to this and write in and say, no, no, actually they're doing this, that. Sure they're and, doing And they are, but we, maybe they're doing more than we realize because it just doesn't Well, I've looked much. for it. I haven't seen much. I know there are evangelicals who are a counter voice to that strain of fundamentalism that is into climate denial and you know prosperity consciousness and all these things that work against you know and fossil fuels and uh, that the promotion of fossil fuels somehow there's an element of 
conservative Christianity that is really anti-ecology in many ways, but there's a counterbalance, of, I gather, of young evangelicals. So I, we can only hope. One would only hope. One hopes. Yep. Meanwhile, speaking mm -hmm. of the climate, you're in the middle of a snowstorm. Yes, I am. And, and uh, if you look at my Instagram today. Whereas I'm dressed as if I am and you're not. Yeah, it, it is. It was fun. I went out. If I, if I don't have to drive long distance, and it's wonderful. Yeah. And, and I'm inward. Any, can't go anywhere. Anyway, we're in the middle of this pandemic, December 2020, when this is recorded. And um, So you might as well be in a winter wonderland. As long as the heat Wonderland, works. I don't know. But uh, winter for sure. So all right, um, man. Until so, next time. Um, yes, we're recording this uh, at the. <laughs> One uh, last point. Yes. For those that want to keep us on the air. Yes. Your contributions, not donations. We're not a nonprofit. Right. You, contributions you can't write this off. And we want to thank the people that have been contributing. Go to our website, spiritmatterstalkdown.com. Push the red button. Uh, and you will uh, see that it'll be easy to contribute. We want to stay on the air. We want to keep it free. And we uh, really appreciate your help. We yes. were closing in on 300 interviews already. Some great people. Many, many great people. So and we have some really good things on, on store for uh, 2021. Uh, when I was scheduling some people, they said, oh, can it wait till after the holidays? So we ha we'll have some good things coming up in the early part of 2021. Of course, Ready? people can listen to it, you know, five, 10 years from now and and uh, look in the history books for what 20. Remember those guys. <laughs> All right, man. All right. See you later.